the second part. The second part of this sermon series, Priorities, is uh, also found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. If you have your copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn uh, to that passage of Scripture. And we're going uh, to jump right into God's Word and into the message for today. We have these two priorities that Jesus gives to us. Um, the context of the passage is rather these attorneys are trying to put Jesus in the corner to stump him, if you will. And so they say, what is the greatest priority or what's the greatest law in all of the laws? And Jesus tells this lawyer in response, he says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he says, the second greatest commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we don't know if Jesus was the first one to couple these two commandments together, but what we know is that after looking at that connection, that it makes, it makes a whole lot of sense that he would bring these together. Because to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind would lead someone to love their neighbor as themselves. And if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, it's probably sourced in the fact that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And Jesus says, looking at Matthew chapter 22, do you have your copy of God's word open? Jesus tells us in Matthew 22 verse 39, specifically he says, and a second, a second commandment is like it. All right, before we can move into what the second commandment is and, and how we can understand it, we need to have clarification that these two commandments are necessary for the Christian and they're inseparable. These two commandments are necessary and they are inseparable. These priorities that we should have in our life, if you're a follower of Christ, if you are a believer, if you are one who claims Jesus as your Savior and Lord, these are necessary ingredients for your life. And just as a point of notes, if you're a note taker, the first point is that the two great commandments are necessary priorities for the growing Christian. They speak of the vertical relationship we have between us and the Father and the horizontal relationships that we have between, our, uh, between brothers and sisters in the faith, but also those that are not yet in the faith because they have not come to uh, receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And these are necessary ingredients, the vertical and the horizontal. We can sometimes say it this way, and this is one of the ways that I like to think about it, that as Christians, we should be growing both deep and wide. Some of you remember that old children's song, deep and wide, deep. I'm not singing anymore for you, okay? Um, we need to be growing deeper in our love and knowledge of God the Father, all right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and minds means that you are growing deeper continually in our knowledge and love for Him. And then to grow widely means that we are going to the nations, that we are seeking to be a broad-reaching uh, people seeking to reach the lost and raise up the saved with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be deep and wide. We want to be people who grow deeply in our knowledge of the Lord and go widely in our sharing the gospel and our reaching of the nations. And so we need to think about, we need to think about the fact that, that if we if we are deep and we are wide, then we're growing in our faith. 
But if we're deep and not wide, then we're not growing in our faith the way that we should be. And if we're wide and not deep, then we're not growing in our faith the way that we should be. Now, there is a challenge that we have. Uh, It's really not a challenge as much as it is a tendency to emphasize one over the other, to overemphasize depth with underemphasizing width, or to overemphasize width without uh, without emphasizing depth. If you go deep, listen to this, if you go deep without also going wide, what's going to happen is you're going to suffocate. All right? You're going to grow deeper and deeper in your knowledge and love of God the Father, but you're not going to express that in any way, and you'll eventually just snuff yourself out. You'll get stuffy. You will embody that statement that people said, they're so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. And you become just so consumed with depth and doctrine that you forget what Jesus says to us through John in 1 John, which is, if you say you love the Father but don't love your brothers, then you're a liar. We can't just go deep without going wide. Also, we, we can't go wide without having depth. If you seem to uh, emphasize entirely social dynamics and reaching and missions and going and doing without taking time to go deeper in the Lord, what's going to happen to your faith in your life is that eventually you're just going to evaporate. Jesus, we can say that he was the greatest missionary of all time. I mean, Jesus came to the earth to seek and to save the lost. He was the Savior, but he was also the one that proclaimed the kingdom of God. But we know that Jesus even took time out to do what? To be with the Father. He retreated away from the groups, from the disciples, and he was alone with the Father to make sure that he wasn't just wide, but he was also deep. I love that this church is one that emphasizes uh, missions and outreach. As a matter of fact, in just a couple of weeks, we have um, what we're calling the Global Outreach Celebration. Some of you know about this. I'm just learning about this, um, but it was an idea that I was hoping to implement anyway upon this new pastorate. It's a time where you get to meet our missionaries on a Saturday from about three to five. You get to spend time hearing about, hearing from our missionaries, seeing them, talking to them, Um, and and understanding what their missions are. And then on the Sunday following that, you'll get to hear missionaries and mission partners preach because we want to be a church that doesn't just go deep, which prayerfully we will, but we also go wide. It's necessary. The two commandments are necessary for a growing Christian. You need to understand, though, that not only are they necessary, but the two commandments are inseparable for the growing Christian. I'm just assuming, I'm working off an assumption here that, that you're here because someone invited you or you're here because you want to be a growing Christian that, that's growing deeper in their walk and, and becoming more vibrant in their faith. I'm assuming that that's true. And if you're going to be a growing Christian, then you need to both love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You need to love your neighbors as yourself because these are necessary, but you also need to understand that they're inseparable. I want to show you a picture of, of something that I think is really cool. Would you look at that? That's what we call a Maserati. Do any of you have one of these, by the way? I should ask. I want to be honest with you. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty cool car. I don't own one. If anyone in here wants to give me a Maserati, I will not rob the blessing. I will let you give it to me. But I don't own one, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool car. Let's just take this vehicle 
let's take this sports car. Not yet, not yet. And let's let it represent loving God and loving others. Love God and love others, all right? So the complete car represents loving God and loving others. Now, sometimes what we do is we try to separate this out. And when we separate it out, what we'll have is we'll have someone that loves God but does not love others. And what that represents is only half of the car, all right? So you've got the motor to get you where you're going, but you don't have room for anyone else. People that love God but do not love others, they may be going somewhere, but they leave a trail of carnage and trouble behind them. They're people who love God so intensely and devotely, but they have no concern or compassion for other people because they love God, but they don't love other people. And they may be going somewhere in life, but everywhere they've been, there's damage that's left because they're just dragging their tail in through. Now, on the other hand, we have a tendency to people who love others, but they don't love God. And and that's pictured by the front of the car missing. They have room for other people to get in the vehicle with them and to spend time together, but they have no mechanism or no motor to take them where they're supposed to be going. And sometimes we see this. We see churches that are this way. They have a deep burning love for other people, but they don't have a present or evident love for other people. And what that is, is that's not a church. That's a country club that just happens to be titled by the name church. Because they're about people, but they're not about God. But we need to understand that according to God's word in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, these two great commandments and these priorities, they're not only necessary for the Christian, but they're also inseparable priorities that we should keep in our life. We should both love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we should also love our neighbor as ourselves. So how do we do that? I want to share with you this morning two key understandings, two key understandings for loving our neighbor. And the first that I would bring to you is from the verse that Jesus gives us in verse 39, and that is love. What you need to know about love is that love is a choice. Love is a choice. The Greek word for love here contained in this passage is the same Greek word that Jesus used when he gave the first commandment or the greatest commandment when he said, you shall love the Lord your your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. He says agape. This is the Greek word for love. Agape, which we talked about, means sacrificing. And looking at the context of that passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6, we understand that what Jesus was telling them was he's pointing them back to the time when Moses was preparing the people to go into the promised land. And he said, when we get into the promised land, you are going to encounter uh, wealth that is not your wealth. You are going to encounter women that are not your women, and you are going to encounter worldly idols that are not your God. And your command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, willingly sacrifice all of those temptations to have and maintain a relationship with the one true living God. And he says that love is about sacrificing. The same word is used here in verse 39 when he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we need to look to understand that there is another central focal point to this word love, agape. One component is sacrifice, but the other is that it's choice. It's preference-based. God chooses to love, and when he tells us to love our neighbor, he is saying, choose to love them. Love is a choice. This passage 
that Jesus is quoting or this commandment that Jesus is quoting, it comes from Leviticus chapter 19. And if you have your copy of God's word, let me just invite you to turn back into, um, into the, the third book or turn back to the third book of the Old Testament. Leviticus, looking at verse 19, I want to read these passages to you from Leviticus 19. We're going to begin in verse 9 and read through 18. And I just want to show this to you. By the way, if you don't have a copy of God's word, would you let me or another minister know there are men walking around with name tags on? If you would let one of us know, we'll get you a copy of God's word. I feel pretty confident that we can come up with some good Bibles worth giving away. So if you don't have a copy of God's word that you can bring to study, let one of us know and we will get you a copy of God's word. In Leviticus chapter 19, here it is. This is God, uh, God's word. It's his law. He's laying out these laws of what is expected by him of the nation of Israel. And in this particular passage, he's laying out for them in this new, in this new nation, he's laying out for them this, uh, this ethic of community that should be practiced, specifically relating to the horizontal relationships that we have with each other. And this is what he says. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after the harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So you remember the story of Ruth? Did any of y'all remember the Bible story of Ruth? How Boaz, um, he would, he would leave the edge of his field bare, um, in place, and then Ruth was encouraged to go as a sojourner to collect food for her and her mother in law. This is where that practice was originated. The Lord called people to do that. And it is to express a loving concern for those who are without by doing what? By choosing to provide for them. Love is a choice. We read on in verse 11, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. This is dealing with your words, how to use your words and choosing to love others by using your names properly. Words are remarkably important in the kingdom of God. In the beginning, God created by doing what? Speaking. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 says, in the beginning was the word, the word is pointing to Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit comes upon the people, they use words to demonstrate that they are filled by the Holy Spirit. After the church is born and the church is beginning to grow, the first people that were executed by God for creating disruption to the body were a couple who lied about their tithe to the church and they were struck dead. Do you know why God struck them down? It's not because they didn't give money, though we should be good stewards and faithful givers. It's because they misappropriated and misused the faculty of words, which just happens to be one of the most important gifts that we have in the kingdom of God. Words. And here he says... This is how you should use your words in a loving way because you are choosing to love your neighbors. 
Verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put stumbling blocks before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. So choose to love those who are without. Choose to love those without making people less than what they are. Verse 15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among the people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. So in other words, because you choose to love your neighbors, you should not choose to do things that are disruptive or divisive among the community of your neighborhood. In verse 17, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In other words, because you choose to love them, you're choosing to work with them through whatever problems that you have. All of this hinges on two points. Number one, it hinges hinges on the fact that love is a choice. But it also hinges on the fact that the Lord is God. I don't know if you remember a few minutes ago, we talked about these two greatest commandments being both necessary and inseparable. If you try to separate loving God and loving people, you won't have the ethic or the foundation that's necessary to build a life of Christian love, compassion, and care on. But because you love God and because God is who God is, then you can love other people. Love is a choice. There's a story about uh, a dad that was getting ready to have his 50th birthday uh, celebration. It was going to be a weekend party. It's a big deal turning 50. That's what I'm told. And so he's getting ready to turn 50 years old. They're going to throw this big uh, shindig for him. His daughter's in college and she wants to buy... She wants to buy a a special gift for him. So she goes to the local department store in the college town that she's in, and she's looking around, and she sees the clothes. She's like, I can't buy him a shirt, can't buy him a pants, that's not good. Shouldn't buy him a tie, doesn't ever wear ties, so what can I get him? So she's just sort of perusing around the store, and she comes across the jewelry section, um, and, and she gets to the men's portion of the jewelry case, and there she sees this gold watch just glowing, and it catches her attention. So she walks up to the case. The attendant comes forward. She says, ma'am, can I help you? She said, yes, I need to see that watch. And so this lady pulls out this watch, and it is, uh, it is a gorgeous, a handsome golden watch. And the attendant says, um, is, is this, are you sure this is what you want? She said, yes, it's my dad's 50th birthday. It's got to be a special gift. She said, uh, please gift wrap it. The woman says, okay, well, how are you going to pay for it? She says, charge it. So the young girl takes the box that's gift wrapped and she goes home that weekend for her dad's birthday party. And she's, have you ever bought, have you ever bought something for someone that you put a lot of thought into and you just can't wait to give it to them? This is her. She's like antsy. Like she cannot wait to give her dad the gift. So time comes for them to open gifts. um, And she just is the first one there. She's like, dad, you got to open my gift, which really wasn't fair to anybody else there because who was going to beat that gift? So the dad, uh, he unties the bow and he he, uh, releases the paper and he opens the box. And as soon as he opens the box, his face just starts glowing. And he's like, I can't believe this. This is what a handsome watch. And he pulls it out and he puts it on his wrist. He's like, I cannot believe that you got this for me. He's like, how in the world did you afford this watch? And she said, you'll find out when you get the bill. (laughs) Uh, 
a few moments later, or a little while later in the party, one of the dad's buds come up to him. He's like, man, that's a good looking watch. What? But I heard what your daughter said, that she got it for you, but she's going to make you pay for it. And he said, what do you think about that? He said, I love it. He said, the reason I love it and I don't mind paying the cost is because I love her. You know, love is a choice. It's a choice, understanding that you're choosing to love someone even though, now watch this, okay? This is so critical to our understanding of how we love neighbors. We're choosing to love others even if it costs us something. And so often when we choose to love, we are choosing to absorb and to receive whatever cost comes with that relationship. But that's exactly what God has demonstrated for us. Remember, these commandments, they are inseparable and they're both necessary. That is exactly how God has demonstrated his love for us. Remember how it was. He created us in his image because he loved us and because he was good and because he wanted us to experience the fellowship that he had among himself. And then he said, even though that we had chosen sin and fallen away from him, he said, I'm going to choose to love them still. The scripture says that even when we were dead in our sins, that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on, our, die on the cross in our place. That was an act, a decision of choice. No matter what it cost him, he chose to love us. And let me just talk to you on a personal level. And I think that if I speak to you in this personal level, that we can also disarm some of the enemy's greatest tactics. Even when you are at your least lovable state, God still chooses to love you. When you are in the depth of your sin, when you are, when you are grasping after the, the perversion of addiction, God still loves you in those moments. He's not pleased with your decisions. He's not pleased with your, your attempt to rebel against his will, but he still loves you. When you're wallowing in the mud of depression and defeat, God still loves you. He's not pleased with whatever is going on in your life that's causing you to be so down and out, but it doesn't change that he still loves you in that moment. Why? Because his love for you is not based on what you are. His love for you is based in who he is. And who he is never changes. Therefore, his love for you doesn't change based on what you are where you are, or what you're going through. He chooses to love you, and therefore you should choose to love other people. Here's a second key I want to teach you quickly on how to understand loving your neighbors. Number one is that love is a choice, and the number two, neighbors includes everyone. The Jews, who were the audience of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 22, they were notoriously good about loving their neighbors. I mean, it's kind of surprising. Jesus is like, you need to love your neighbors, but he's talking to people who are really, really good at loving their neighbors. I mean, if you just trace through the gospel narratives, you see example after example of, of Jews taking very good care of their neighbors. For example, there's this one story of a paralyzed man who couldn't walk. And Jesus is teaching in this house and there are people coming from all directions to, to get to Jesus. So much so that the house where Jesus is teaching is packed full with people. And there's these four friends that want to bring their paralyzed friend to get to Jesus so that he could be healed, but they can't get to him. Do you remember this story? 
And so the four friends, take the, he, they take the paralytic up on the roof and they cut a hole out in the roof, which was a terrible day for whoever it is that owns that home. They cut a, they cut a hole out and then they lower the friend down to meet Jesus. You've got to remember this story. It's so good. And Jesus heals the paralytic man because of the faith of the friends. That's an example of the Jews loving their neighbors very well. They didn't have to do that. There's another story in the Gospels of two beggars in Jericho. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the crucifixion, for the triumphal entry. And there's these two beggars sitting on the side of the road. And they're just begging, as they did every single day of their lives, for people to take care of them, to give them alms, to give them something so that they would have food and money for their provisions. You know what? Those men were where they were because someone loved them enough every single day of their life to go get them, to walk them to their place beside the road, and to set them down so that they could beg. These Jews love people well. The problem is, is that the Jews were very selective in who they defined as their neighbor. Women, do any of your husbands have what they call selective hearing? Do you know what that is? Selective hearing is the condition, according to women, where men (laughs) hear what they want to hear and don't hear what they don't want to hear. But according to men, selective hearing is that we receive only what women select to tell us. Uh Uh-huh. There's two sides of that coin. I got to be careful here. All right. (laughs) Very early in a tenure to make enemies. The Jews were selective in who they called their neighbors, and Jesus wanted to let them know that, that neighbor isn't who you choose. Neighbor includes everyone. Neighbor includes everyone. I I provided for you four categories to help you understand everyone. First are your family, and this is broadening. In the narrowest sense, family are those people that you don't get to choose, that God has put in your life. Your mama, your daddy, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents. It's the people that God chooses. I want you to know, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you are responsible for loving these people. And may you not miss that one of your nearest mission fields is to the people that may live across the hallway or sleep on the other side of the bed. You need to love them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Family, then your friends. Friends are those that you naturally like, that you naturally choose. These are the people that you get along with. Good friends are hard to come by. I have some good friends. I have this one friend that I didn't have for a very long, I hadn't had all of my life, but just recently. And we, when we get together, we laugh until we cry. Do you have any friends like that? I mean, you just, it, it's not, it hardly is it ever about anything, but we just start laughing. And I feel comfortable with them just to laugh until I'm in tears, till my side hurts. I love having good friends. We need to know that even our friends are the neighbors that we are supposed to choose to love. We're to choose to love them. How do we love them? We love them by giving them the gospel, by telling them the truth. Our frenemies. How many of you know this word frenemies? Any of you know this word? Frenemies are those, frenemies are those that you don't like, but you can't live without. Forgive my double negative. It's there. You're living with it anyway. Frenemies are those that you don't like, but you can't live without. Oftentimes, you'll, you'll experience frenemies within your school setting or within your workplace. These are people that, I mean, quite honestly, I know that you're not going to admit it, so let me just say it. You can't stand them, all right? They just rub you the wrong way. 
And it's not that they've necessarily done anything to rub you the wrong way. It's just the fact that they're breathing. You're like, oh, stop. Just stop. But you can't live without them, all right? Listen, we're not, we're not trying to be, we're trying, not trying to be critical. It's just the fact of the matter is, you know I'm telling the truth right now. There are some frenemies in your life. Those are people that we have to choose to love. We have to choose, it's a choice. You may not want to love them, you may not like loving them, but you choose to love them. And it expands all the way out to our foes. Foes are those people that you don't like and you don't want, and you want to live without them. These are the enemies in life where you're like, God, not only do I not like them, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that they're not in my life. And sometimes, it, sometimes it's, it's, it's an earned reputation they have because they can't be trusted in your close circle. Other times it's not necessarily something they've earned, but what you've perceived. But, but can I tell you that even our enemies, we are called to choose to love Because neighbors, when Jesus says love your neighbors, neighbors includes everyone. There's this very famous Bible passage. It's located at John chapter 3 verse 16. In that passage, the scripture says, for God so loved the... Did he say for God so loves only your family? Did he say for God so loves only your friend group? enemies and your foes? No, he said, for God so loved the world. That includes his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That tells us that not only did God love the world, including everyone, but he was willing to pay the price so that everyone could be brought into the family. So that even our enemies could be made friends. So that even the, the abandoned could be made family. And he said, not only am I going to love the world and give so that the world can be included, but he said that I'm going to send you, my disciples, my Christ followers, I'm going to send you out to reach the people. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples of who? Of all nations. It's in there. We know the go part. We hear that as you're going about your daily responsibility, you want to share the gospel. You want to seek to make disciples. And we know the making disciples part. That is that we want to take people from being unbelievers to new believers, to growing believers, to reproducing believers. We want to walk them through this process. But we can't forget that he says to do this with all nations. All nations. And he even reiterates this once more, John 3, 16. Uh, he forgot to love the world. And then he says to go and make disciples of all the nations. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says that you'll be my witnesses when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to go where? He says to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was repeated three times that God's emphasis on the neighbors includes everyone. And our challenge, our call is to love our neighbors. Love is a choice and neighbors includes everyone. I hope it could be said. I hope it could be said about this church, our church, That if there is a neighbor anywhere within our reach that is not loved, 
It's not because we failed to love them. It's because they rejected the love we gave them. I pray that if there be any neighbor, near or far, that goes to hell, it be not because we failed to tell them the truth of who Jesus Christ is, it's because they chose to reject the truth of Jesus Christ that we told them in love. You know, Jesus gave these commands and he gave them to us as priorities, these priorities that should be the focus and the direction, directives of our life. And we need to know that these are necessary, not just for me, but for all of us individually. And we need to know that these are inseparable. So may it be true about Lone Oak First Baptist Church that we are going to love, not because people are lovable, but because we choose to love them as God has loved us. And may it also be true that we never exclude anyone because we understand what Jesus says when he says neighbors, it includes everyone. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to lead us into a time of invitation. During this invitation, if you need to make a decision for Jesus, this would be the time. Maybe you've heard the gospel today or at another time and you've been convicted that you need to respond. The invitation is the perfect time to do that. What's going to take place in a few moments is I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward and then I'm going to say a prayer. At the close of our prayer, we're going to begin singing a song. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, if you need to know that your eternity is secure in Christ, I want to invite you to step out when we're singing and to walk down the aisle and to take me or one of the other ministers by the hand. If you've never made the decision to be a follower of Jesus and receive forgiveness of your sins, now is the time to do so. Maybe you need to make another decision, uh, maybe a decision for membership. You want to join the church. Uh, you want to make this your family. Uh, in just a few moments, I'm just going to tell you in advance, me and my family are going to come and we're going to join Lone Oak First Baptist Church. And it's important for me to lead my family in this decision because we're coming here not just for a job, we're coming here to be a part of a church family and a mission. And I would hate to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And so me and my family, we're going to join today to be members of the church. And I want to invite you, if you've never made the decision to become a member of the church, why don't you do so today? Why don't you say, you know what, I, I'm following Jesus Christ, but I want to commit to this body and being a part of this church's mission. If that's you, if that's your family, you can step out on the aisle in just a moment and make your way down. Take me or one of the ministers by the hand and say, hey, I want to be a member of this church. Would you talk to me? And maybe you just need to pray. This is a good place to pray. We have some incredible, probably some of the best prayer warriors in the kingdom of God in this church. And we would love to pray with you or for you about anything you're going through. So I'm going to invite our ministers and worship team, if you would make your way to the front. And if you are here today, regardless of whether you're going to make a decision public or not, I want to invite you to stand where you are. Every single one of you, if you would stand where you are. As you're standing, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. And at the close of that prayer, we are going to begin singing any decision you need to make. Any decision you need to make, this will be the time to do so. So our ministers, you guys come on down front so they can see who they're coming to meet. And after this prayer, if you need to make a decision, just step out immediately and walk down front. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for allowing us to have your word today, to hear it, to receive it, 
Lord, I pray for the, uh, the calling that you are putting on the lives of those present. There are some who, uh, who feel the urge, Lord, to surrender their life to you, to be saved. I pray, God, that they would step out in obedience for the very first time. There are others that need to be baptized, maybe join the church, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give them courage to respond according to your calling and conviction. And Lord, there may be men or women here that just are going through a hard time and they need someone, anyone to pray over them. Lord, I pray that they would respond. And would that step of obedience be a step of encouragement as they step out in faith and are met by loving brothers and sisters who are going to pray over them and lift up their concerns to you. So Lord, here's our prayer for the invitation. I pray, God, that you would move us according to your will and according to your way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. The invitation's open.